Welcome to Swift Unscripted. These podcasts give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear the inside story and be part of the conversation about all means all with leaders in the field of inclusive education and school-wide transformation. I'm Mary Shu, and interviewing this afternoon, Barb Buswell. Barb is the executive director of the Peak Parent Center, which is located in Colorado and is celebrating its 30th anniversary uh, 30 years. Wow, that's a long time. Um, Barb is an advisor for Swift Center and meets with Swift Center regularly and has been since the beginning providing guidance to everything that we do here within Swift. So welcome, Barb, to Swift Unscripted. Thank you for being here to do this podcast today. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Um, All right. So 30 years, that's a long time to be doing this work. And uh, what got you started? Well, I was a general ed teacher. I love teaching. I love kids, especially secondary kids. And then I had kids of my own. And my second How many children do you have? I have three. Three children, okay. And when my middle child was born, um, he lost oxygen at birth. And all of a sudden, his life and our lives were going to be really different. But I thought, since I lived in a major city, because I'd grown up in a small town, in Ohio, I thought there would be lots of resources, and so things had to be easy because I knew there there were therapies and things. And <clears throat> our experience was that the first year of our son's life, no one connected us with anybody else with any resources that were meaningful. And we went to the public library, and they were books from the 1960s that were terrifying. And so as soon as we started to figure anything out, we decided... Nobody else should have to start from scratch. So anything we know that has worked to any degree with us, we want to give away to other families. Nice. So that's Wilson, correct? It's Wilson. And he's all grown up now? He is 35. Wow. Now, um, I have a story. I don't even know if I've ever shared this with you, Barb, but I remember the first time I met you. And uh, you were one of the early leaders in the field of inclusive education and all means all who really had a major impact on me and my thinking. And it was at a TASH conference. Um, I think it was my first TASH conference. And you did the keynote and you uh, introduced the world to Wilson and your family and you talked about a rafting trip. And uh, Wilson is is I'm just going to say, he's a pretty complicated young man. And the rafting trip was, it was just about how your family is enjoying everyday life and figuring out how to incorporate, you know, all the different kinds of um, supports into everyday life so that you could just be a family and Wilson could just be a kid. I don't know. Do you remember doing that keynote? I do. <laughs> I remember. I, I, I was watching those slides. I, like, had tears in my eyes. I was and you talked about Wilson going to public school, and uh, and mostly it was just about your family and Wilson being a kid going to school. And it, it was kind of mind-blowing at the time because I had been a um, self-contained classroom teacher teaching kids with complicated needs, and, uh, and so your presentation really helped me figure out a new path for my life. So now, you know, 30 years later, the Peak Parent Center is helping families all around the country and probably the world figuring those things out. Well, one of the things that was astonishing 
to me was that when Wilson, it was time for Wilson to go to school, I thought it would be easy because my husband and I were both teachers and I thought we love schools. Every ounce of me loves schools and I'm a really outstanding teacher and I'm collaborative and I've always had great relationships. So it was time for Wilson to go to school and we had a meeting and they tried to tell me that I didn't understand that he was severe. And so I remember saying, well, he's Wilson. He has some, some, some intense needs, but don't call him severe. And sitting in an IEP meeting and people rolled their eyes a little bit at me. And um, <clears throat> we said he needs to go to school well, we tried to do private preschools, but in those time, in those days, 35 years ago, that was really astonishing, and you had to be toilet trained. So we went to the public schools, and they said, well, they were going to teach him life skills. And I was like, three-year-old life skills? Mostly it was going to be toileting, and I don't know what else. But we said, no, he needs to be in the richest language environment possible. Wilson doesn't speak, so he needs to be around the most creative, energetic, uh, ling talkative kids in the world and they were trying to tell us that we needed to understand life <clears throat> and so we started then saying you know what he he has to have the greatest life so we just got to do what we're going to do and that just has to be our path and we have to well so how did you like how did you get it in your mind that just regular public school general education classrooms were the best place for Wilson. I mean, did you know where did that come from? Did you did you read about it at the public library or did Oh, no, nothing. I'm not sure. Is it in the it's in the public library now? Yeah. But um, I I'm not sure, but I knew that in our neighborhood school, I our older son was going there and I thought this is a good learning environment so Wilson needs to be here. And so he needs teachers who are really interesting. And we kept telling the people at school that Wilson really understood things and was very eager to learn, and they kept telling us that he had intense needs. And we said, yeah, we know, and he needs to learn. So it just seemed it was the only place that Wilson, who was part of our family and who did whatever we did, whether it's a seven-day raft trip or whether it's to go to Puerto Rico and go to the market, that we, he needed to be in the best place possible. And the rest of the country learned along with you because you were generous enough to to start an organization and share everything you were learning and share and be sort of a hub for inclusive education for the rest of the country. Yeah, and when we started Peak, Wilson was um, uh, thirty years ago. Yeah, he was oh, yeah. he was five. He was five. <laughs> And um, we told, so we got a grant from the U.S. Department of Ed, and we told, we, we wrote in the grant, we told the U.S. Department of Ed that we would find the topic that most families asked us about, and we would do a statewide meeting on that topic, and we would do that every year. So we had no idea. We just were having little hash marks on a paper saying, okay, this and this. So... It seemed that LRE was the biggest question. Least so, restrictive environment. Yeah. yeah. So we decided to do this conference. And so I called some people, people at our the legal, the protection and advocacy group, and told them and see if they wanted to co-sponsor. And they're like, oh, my gosh, guys, this is controversial. 
And we said, well, no, it's we said we do what the families want, and this is what the families want, so we need to do this. And then we called the Colorado Department of Ed, and it was kind of a similar story. But we decided to do it, and they said, how many people do you want to come? And we said, mm, 50. <laughs> and 125 people came, and at the end of that meeting, everybody said... This is the most, it was a conference. We thought we were having a meeting, but we had a conference. And so it was wonderful. And it's the, it was the first of 30. So every February, Peak Parent Center has, and it's now called Inclusion. It was an LRE conference, and then it was an integration conference, and, and now it's school reform and inclusion. So um, we were... We were kind of astonished. An interesting thing is that I thought with my federal grant, the first thing I should do, um, the, the secretary, assistant secretary was Madeline Will, and it was on our grant award document. And so I thought I should send her the evaluation results <laughs> from the conference, which I did. And uh, because people wrote these glowing things about, I've been a teacher for years, I've been an administrator, and I don't know how to do this. So please do this again. So I sent it, and um, I got a call from the um, deputy assistant secretary about two months later asking me about this conference and if there was some work that we might want to do with other families, et cetera, which also I think kind of empowered us that, oh, yeah, this really is important. We knew, I thought it was survival for my family because people needed to know how to support my student my kid as a student and um but anyway that's a great story i don't think i've ever heard that story uh, so did you actually send paper copies i don't think the internet oh, yeah. was folder. around back then it was a yellow folder. a yellow folder and were they said, originals or did you yeah. make copies oh uh, they were copies but it just had lre <clears throat> and probably had our grand award with some uh-huh, um, legal uh-huh. thing so that everyone we were doing it right yeah oh that's a great story <laughs> Um, and now you have this annual conference that I know has grown from 150 people to I've. There's been years where you've had what up to 3,000 people. I think 2,000. 1,800 was our largest. Yeah. Okay. 1,800. All right. And for a long that's time, a lot. And now people, thank goodness, are doing conferences all over the right. country. But I right. think. We were the, certainly the only parent center, and we still have, last year, people came from 25 states. The other thing that has been so great about our conference, and also great to me as a formal, former general ed teacher, is at our conference we have lots of families, and we have lots of general educators, and we have lots of principals, and of course specialists, but usually it's really hard. As a parent, I couldn't find any place to go that wasn't just primarily for special ed folks. Exactly, exactly. I, I am very familiar with your conference. Again, it's in February, and if you go to the Peak Parent Center's website, you'll find information about past conferences and the dates for the new conferences. But what I've always been impressed by is the that you um, have embedded this work within the context of school reform within the context of general education school reform. So it's never been seen as something that, you know, special education does on the side or we're trying to, like, take, you know. So that has been impressive. Your keynote speakers, your strands. Um, If I was a general ed classroom teacher, I would 
I would see information about that conference and think, well, this is where I need to be to learn the most innovative practices in, in school reform. SWIFT has come to do some sessions several times, which has been really great and very synergistic and complementary. And the, I think the other dimension to our conference, and Mary, I think you helped me kind of understand this as well, is when, when Wilson was little, he did have some medical needs and we had to figure out how to help him use his body. But we, we knew educationally he was hungry to learn. And something just seemed off with the way we were being treated. And so early, when we met other adults with disabilities, we became really clear about the fact that this is an equity, social justice issue. Wilson's life is about that. Yeah, he needs whatever supports. I need glasses, whatever. Um, But that's not the main focus. The main focus is having him have access to things. And so our conference always has that lens as mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. It's, you know, a broad, a broad um, view with, of including people and um, addressing concepts that are important because our personal experience, and I think the research is showing um, all the swift work, is that Wilson's presence, we want to start at our family's level, his presence in a classroom in a great classroom, his presence just made the teachers say, oh my gosh, this is fun, I'm getting to do more things. Um, Wilson's presence is letting me use instructional practices that are really great. They're letting me tap the kids. They're using peer power. And in other classrooms, when the teachers weren't as receptive, his presence there still was an avenue kind of for the school district and the principal's leadership to help foster better instruction, um, differentiate instruction, and have richer resources. So I think that that's the other goal, that school reform and preparing people for a vibrant democracy means everybody's at the table from the time they're little. So I think that's what drives me as well, that what we do is really important. Right. It's not just about Wilson. Mm -hmm. It's about it's about our communities. It's about the world and how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember when Wilson was in, I think it was middle school, and he was on the school newspaper. Mm-hmm. Was it middle school he was on the newspaper? Uh, it was freshman year in high school. Freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Um, and and Wilson's non-speaking, but he's a fierce editor. And so he would help. He typed some. He had little phrases. Yeah every time that he typed but he would edit and he uses his eyes he uses his eyes and his body and yeah. his yeah he's got them. but he would he would be he's a fierce editor and so his classmates would be like oh gosh when Wilson gets a hold of this um, <laughs> so they I mean that's the other beauty about peers that Wilson getting to learn together developed very rich friendships and they were incredible advocates for him and he you know he certainly participated on an equal level and they were always talking about him calling them out was right. silent with his voice is silent <laughs> not his big voice but his spoken voice is silent yes um so how uh talk a little bit about peak parent center you do an annual conference mm-hmm. you do information referral for families? Mm-hmm. We have um, 
parent and youth advisor, so any families in Colorado can call anytime or send an email, and we help. What Our whole goal is to give away, help families with strategies and give information to families so they can be empowered and have a skill to advocate for their own kids. So when issues come up, we often have people who help them think through possibilities, find resources, connect with other groups. So... And your information is pretty accessible. I've been on your website and, and on all your mailing lists, mm-hmm. English, Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yes, we really want to reach out. It's our goal to continue to reach out to all the diverse families in our state, who, anybody who needs it. And um, we try to make things as clear and accessible as well so that families don't have to slog through a 25-page document from a journal, but we will try to find the key elements and connect it with families. We're doing infographics a lot just to help families understand processes. So we really want to encourage, be a resource for everybody. And then this past year, we've been working with youth who happen to have disability labels and helping them to become self-empowered and really find out about their strengths and so they can become good advocates and it's been really fun. Hmm. Um, So what's your perspective on uh, where we are today as a nation with all means all? I mean, here we have this this enormous project, Swift Center, um, working throughout the country and I mean, do you feel like we're making progress? Uh, yes, I'm so I'm very very excited because I think that the more all means all and is interpreted the way that Swift is interpreting it and the way that my family is it truly means all. The more that that message can get out and have the videos and the tools that Swift has created to really give some meaning to it is is critical. And, um, and I guess one of the things I said earlier that there was LRE and then there was um, integration and then inclusion and pretty soon the words became trite and there still are families who call who says who say call peak and they say my son is in the inclusion program but he only gets to go to general ed two hours a day and so there should not, there's not an inclusion program. I mean, it's inclusion <laughs> is a way of educating and um, organizing your school. So I'm really happy to have this information out widely. And then the work in the, the fact that you went to the knowledge development sites is those are the kinds of things that I get to see from families, but there hasn't been a way, unless it was just a study or one research project, there hasn't been a way to go find the great places and pull it out and make it make sense of it um, and correlate with other centers and really get that information out. So I feel like it's it's incredibly useful. I wanted my state to be. I worked hard, had my state, <laughs> and they but they came to this meeting, but they 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 <clears throat> were reluctant. Um, they weren't an early adopter, shall we say? They weren't in the applicants. But I'm glad that. The door is still open, and there still are ways. The tools that are being created are really useful, whether it's at the state level, at the district level, or even families go to the 
website and find things. And sometimes they call and say, I think my kid needs this. So I went last fall to an IEP meeting with one of my friends who has a young child, and she's like, can you bring those things from the website and tell the school how it might be useful? And That's swiftschools.org, yes. where all of our resources are, <clears throat> so are maintained. I, it's, really, it's really, really important. And um, plus, having been a teacher, the practices and the protocols and the policies, but all the... Um, the resources, let good teachers be amazingly outstanding teachers, and let other teachers who are interested but maybe didn't get the training or don't have the resources, I think it provides so many avenues for instruction. I taught, um, I was responsible for student teachers for two years at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, and I kept thinking, oh, I just wish I had some other examples and ways to help these teachers grow. So I think the tools that SWIFT is creating are really amazing. That's great. Yeah, we have a, a, a nationwide library of tools. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, hopefully wherever, no, you know, wherever you are within a school system from a parent to a superintendent to a school board member, you'll find resources that will help you take those next steps Toward school-wide transformation and all, all means also. Thank you for that for that shout out for Swift Resources. Um, as we wind up this interview, Barb. So Wilson's 35. He's graduated from high school and he has 23 hours of college. 23 hours of college and uh, a 3.2 grade <laughs> average, including a four hours of F from a science professor who wouldn't make accommodations, but he likes that definition. Wilson does. Wilson he does like, he's proud like of his F. 3.2, even though I have four hours of F, I have a 3.2. <laughs> um, and he currently is co-teaching um, graduate class with um, a colleague at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, on... Um, ways to instruct and teach students with significant support needs and he loves it and he they they the evaluations they get are really great and he says that can you send those off to our project officers (laughs) make copies of those (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly um so anyway so he's doing that and he feels a very strong sense of of uh, social justice and equity, and so he's involved um, politically in the community, and he feels like he needs to speak up and stand out. And I think one of the other things that was strange for me, I'm going back to to tie things up to early childhood for our family. So we had Wilson, and then there would be counselors who would say to us now, "You, you know, he has a lot of intense needs. They learn not to say severe. And, you know, you have your other children, too, and they get that terrible tone of voice. But what I think our families learned is that Wilson's presence and Wilson's leadership and advocacy has taught our other kids to be amazing, articulate advocates for what's right. And so, and Wilson's friends, too. It's, it's um, been such a powerful journey, and the opportunities that everybody um, took advantage of in this situation. So 
um, Wilson feels like he needs to teach and lead, so that's where he is. Well, um, on behalf of Swift, I just want to say thank you for uh, bringing us all along your family's journey and for serving this role as an advisor to Swift Center. Do you have any last-minute advice for us? Just keep going forward powerfully, quickly, and getting the word out because there are many kids, many families, many teachers who want to hear what you're doing. Uh, Thank you, Barb. And again, for more information, go to swiftschools.org and check out all our resources and check out what's your Peak Parent Center's website. Can you recite that? Yes, www.peakparent.org. www.peakparent.org. So uh, learn more about Peak Parent Center and stay in touch with SWIFT. Thank you.